0: So here we go. Colossians, episode 6. Can you believe it? Who's still reading Colossians? When I heard Chedah reference Kings, I'm like, excuse me. It was good, but I hope she's reading Kings and Colossians. And uh, I'm quite sad that today's our last in the series. It's the last episode of our series. I'm quite sad. I feel like I'm saying goodbye to, to some friends. And uh, the, the joy of being a preacher is that you have to put the time in. And I feel like I've made some new friends out of the, the pages of Colossians. It's just four chapters. So if you haven't had a chance to read it yet, man, you could probably do it even while I'm speaking this morning. And as long as you're not on Facebook, I don't mind if you're on your Bible. Uh, and it really has been cool this, for me to read over and over and over again, and I trust you have been the same. So remember, we keep saying that the Bible can't mean to us today what it didn't mean to them then. And so Colossians is a letter written by a person from a place for a purpose. It was written by Paul, in house, under house arrest, trained possibly to a Roman soldier, uh, locked up for his faith. And it was written to people who lived in a town called Colossi. So uh, Paul was in Rome, which is in Europe. Colossae is in uh, modern-day Turkey. So across the sea, people far away facing a challenge of their faith. And Colossians is all about who we are in Christ. To make it real simple, the first two chapters are about who we are in Christ, who Jesus is to us. And then the second two chapters is how we walk in Christ. What do we do about it? And so Paul writes to this church after Epaphras comes to tell him of what they're facing. And remember, at this stage, Christianity is only about 30 years old. So we think of, you know, modern-day Christianity. We don't realize it was entirely different then. And we, we can learn the responses that, that Paul gives and the Holy Spirit uh, inspires. And they'd only had the gospel, the church was around five years old, they'd only known about Jesus for a short period of time, it was vulnerable, exciting, it was the first church in a whole region, and it's a tenuous time for these churches, um, and God's heart is not just to keep them saved, not just to keep them one step up in front of the next, keep them going, but wants to make them an apostolic base, uh, connected to other churches, not just in their province or even in their country but across the seas and into different hemispheres and so so far we've had a look at Jesus the exalted Messiah you see at the beginning and then into uh, the great Messiah poem where we learn that Jesus is sufficient and he is supreme he's enough and he should be preeminent in our lives then we had a look at uh, Paul the suffering apostle and uh, The, the interesting thing is that he's so excited that he's suffering. He says this is success because although he's facing difficult circumstances, he says they're there to advance the gospel. And we spoke about the pressure to turn away. We spoke about resurrection life that uh, we are a new humanity and a whole uh, new household. Uh, the, when people come in contact with you and your family, there should, there should be an obvious difference between you and your little world and everyone else because Jesus has impacted our lives. It really should be like that. Our neighbors should be wondering, why are you like that? You are different. You're a little weird. Now, what's the reason? And so Paul says that Jesus is our greatest antidote against error, our greatest encouragement to endure. Now, remember, Paul has never met these people face to face. He's a friend of a friend. Have you ever introduced you know, your friend to another friend? And and so Epaphras came and he's told them about this church. So Paul writes this letter. What do I tell these people? To keep them going strong. And he says the best way to secure them in the faith, to keep them following Jesus despite suffering and scorn, to keep the gospel coal burning in their hearts and the gospel fire spreading beyond them is simply to point them to Jesus. Now you don't have to be super clever. I always say, and I definitely me. I don't know so much about Colette. I'm normally the least educated guys in any room when we get together with you guys. You don't have to be bright. You just need to know Jesus to be able to point towards him. Louis Giglio puts it this way. He says, Colossians insists that it's not about what you know, but it's about how what you know has changed your life. They sell products on TV all the time, right? But it's the personal testimonies of how that product worked that actually make you buy it. If you're online, shopping online, you always check the, uh, what do you call those things? The reviews, hey? Why should I buy this? Well, if enough other people have bought it and said it's going to change my life, then maybe I will. Same thing with Christianity. So let's read Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2. He says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I stood, as I should. So here we have Paul talking about his apostolic witness. Pray that I can tell other people far away about Jesus. Thanks, we can go on. Be wise, verse 5, in the way you act towards outsiders. We said in a previous series that we are God's agents who have been deployed behind enemy lines. Many of us are still approaching life as I want to live my best life now, and Jesus' role is there to make that happen. That I follow Jesus so that He can hook me up. Cosmic Father Christmas, He can make my life better. And the beautiful thing is, as Andre read out of that passage in Psalms, is man, His benefits are amazing. Forget not His benefits, but that's not the point. The point that we serve Him for is so that others can get to know Him. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. If, we, if if this was our life verse, we would get up in the morning different. We would dress different. We would drive different. We would go through the boom gate different. We would get into our office different. We would speak to our boss and our teammates at work different. We would leave the office different. We would arrive home Different. If we were conscious of being wise in the way we act towards outsiders. Remember, we spoke about our Plus One series. One of the biggest hindrances to people wanting to know about Jesus is what? It's not tough times, it's other Christians. And if we would live like this, that we would be wise the way we act towards outsiders, those that are not part of Jesus' family, man, we would be able to pave the way for them to come to Him far easier. It says, make the the most of every opportunity. This is personal witness. So Paul's saying, pray for me that I could apostolically, in other words, witness beyond home base, but pray for yourselves too that you can witness where you are wherever you get an opportunity. Sometimes that opportunity looks like a traffic jam. (laughs) Sometimes that opportunity looks like an inconvenience when you're rushing through your day. Tyron loves to say, Tyron Daniel loves to say how Jesus... Was constantly interrupted. Sometimes he was interrupted on the way to an interruption on the way to ministry. Yeah? And it's often those interruptions that we read about the miracles come. And you and I get frustrated because, man, I'm running out of time. I didn't get to my to-do list. I'm, I'm under pressure and stress. But actually Jesus is saying, my, my, my boy, my girl, I'm setting you up for a miracle right here. It says, uh, verse six: Let your conversation always be full of grace. I have to tell you, sometimes this this church's name is a hard name to to live under, right? Because you must live up to it. Yeah. When we do blueprint, we say God's enabling grace and His saving grace. His grace has saved me, and His grace enables me to serve Him. Seasoned with salt. What does that mean? Remember, we're to be salt and light. Salt purifies. <laughs> How are your conversations? Are they pure? Are they full of salt? You know, when you surf for hours and hours and hours like we used to, when you get out of the water, your lips are fat, and they like, it feels like your mouth is turned into a stick of bultong. And then you can hardly taste anything. You need to get water in there just to desalinate. And But like, it, 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 physically changes how your mouth feels. Could you imagine if when we got up in the morning, we said, Jesus, I want my conversations today to be seasoned with salt. That you may know how to answer everyone. I'm not going to have time to come back to this. I want to say quickly, it doesn't say know what to answer everyone. So many of us are scared to tell people about Jesus because what if they ask us a question that we don't know the answer to? What what if I don't know what to answer? That's not important. You can always say, I'll get back to you. Go find a friend and and bring the answer. But it's far more important how you answer than what you answered. You know, I I can't tell you exactly what the answer is to this, but I can tell you how Jesus loves me. I can tell you how what you ask makes me feel because I know Jesus. So normally the last chapter of any of the books of the Bible, especially the letters, is The the chapter where they pull all the threads together is often the most important. And so here we see Paul helping these Colossians on a journey from me to us to others. He says they're under threat personally, so he teaches them about Jesus as enough, supreme and sufficient. My salvation is secure. But then he secures them in the fact that I'm not alone in my faith. I have a church community. So I go from me to us. And that's important. But then he says, don't get stuck there. It's not as good to have a happy little church service once in a while. We're actually connected to churches around the world. He says, you're in Asia, I'm in Europe. We're still connected. We minister one to another. There's doors of opportunity I'm trusting for that you need to pray why do you think we constantly connect this church to churches around the world? We had such a cool opportunity. We video called Richard Stewart last night. Uh, It was 12 o'clock at night, and so Lindsay was sleeping. But uh, he said to us that he was watching last week's uh, message when I spoke about we're trying to put this uh, Middle Eastern tour, this gospel tour together next year. He said his ears pricked up because that might fall into his work region. And who knows? I said, man, I'll give you the dates. As soon as we got them, you can join us. Why are we connected? Because this gospel that has saved me and rescued me from hell and secures me to salvation is not enough just for me. There's an usness. I'm placed in a family. Just like you heard Hendrik said, I need that runner next to me. I need someone that I'm running ahead of and who's running ahead of me. But then it's not just so that we can be happy. It's so that we can influence the world. And so I'm wrestling this morning because it's almost like I've got two sermons to tell you. So I'm going to be as quick as I can. Remember, this is the last words that he's going to tell them. And so he begins, we've read it together, he says, he begins by telling them, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. It's like he's saying, okay, so I've told you about Jesus supreme and sufficient, so now what what do I leave you with? He says, devote yourselves to prayer. You know, no one can be devoted for you. Yeah, devote yourselves, it's important remember last week he said um, Paul, Paul was telling them that they took off death and they put on like a jacket put on this new life in Christ, so he says well put on prayer and the first thing he says that we should do is persevere in prayer I think we give up too soon in our prayers, don't you? Jesus I prayed that one time and you didn't answer my prayer, you let me down Hey? I often tell you about Yvonne Stegman, who's gone to be with the Lord now for 52 years. She prayed for schoolmates daily. She had a list. If you could get on that list, you were sorted. <laughs> and I want to say to some of you guys, especially to the young guys, there are older people in this church. Make them, let them know your name. You want to get on their prayer list. I'm telling you. It'll change your life. I'm telling you. There are ladies and gentlemen in this church that I am secure because they pray. And you want to get on those prayers because they persevere in prayer. Right? says, don't get up. I think we give up too soon in our prayers. And we also avoid prayer too easily. (laughs) I should pray, but maybe I can fix. I'm a doer. This thing is terrible because I can't do. (laughs) And often we say, Jesus, I've got this one. Let me do something about it. Instead of going first to the place of prayer and then seeing what He asks us to do. Make sense? We should build into our lives a habit of our prayer. Firmly fixed into our routine. Your friends should know when you pray. Because if we get to pray, we actually don't get to pray, right? And some of you prefer to pray in the morning. Some of you f- prefer to pray the night. I just want to encourage you, wherever it suits, make sure it happens. How's your prayer streak? I have to hurry on. The second thing he says is be watchful in prayer. Watch and pray, the Bible says. That's, that's why some people say grace with their eyes open, right? Then their brother doesn't steal their food. It just means be alert. I don't know that we're alert enough when we pray. It's easy to miss the creep of the enemy. Remember Colossians we have been saying the culture around us falls with our brains and takes our thinking away from Jesus, right? And we must be watchful in prayer because we, it's easy to miss the creep of the enemy influence into our life. Yeah. It's also easy to miss the drift of my heart away from Jesus. You must be watchful in prayer. Look for the patterns. You know, if one thing goes wrong one time, that's okay. But look for the patterns. When the people in your neighborhood are all frowning at each other, it's a pattern. You start to pray for your neighborhood, for peace to come. Right? When the people at work, when there's a vibe. Have you had a vibe? You know, surely. I mean, even the men can pick up a vibe when it hits you in the face. Right? <laughs> like when there's a pattern. Or we 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 keep losing clients, or we keep fighting in the office, or someone keeps leaving the milk on the counter and it goes off. There's a pattern. Be watchful, we notice the patterns, then we pray. Be discerning. The third one is to be thankful in prayer. That's an obvious one, but it's interesting that he puts it here. Of all the things he wants to tell them, he says, be watchful, but be thankful. I want to ask us this morning, how thankful are your prayers? (laughs) If we look at our prayer life, are we asking more or thanking more? Hey, When the disciples said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. He told, us that, he told them that prayer that we can all say without our brains even thinking about it these days. Eh? Yeah? Our Father, who art in heaven, remember? Give us this day. Man, ends, ends with thankfulness. I'm, yeah. I'm needing to go good. You guys will talk about this in your life groups. If ever, it's not in the notes, but maybe you want to listen. If ever you want to think, Lord, I, I'm struggling to, to pray well. Just think of the name Acts, A-C-T-S. Starts with Adoration. A for adoration. C for confession. Lord forgive me. Tell him what, what, where you've messed up. Tell him where you need his help. T is for thanksgiving and S is for supplication. Supplication is a, is an asking kind of prayer. Yeah? Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Something of those four should be in every prayer we pray. And Paul says remember to be thankful. The fourth thing that he says, uh, he says to them is we should be gospel hearted in prayer. It's so interesting, he's, he, he's teaching them to stand firm in the faith in Jesus Christ. And one of the things is thankfulness and gospel prayers. Isn't amazing? He says, you guys pray for us. I was teasing the elders and the deacons last night. Andrew said, hey, Craig, oh, we're praying for you as you get ready to preach. I said, you better, because my preaching is about your prayers. Like, if you pay bad, pray bad prayers, I'm going to preach bad. It's, on, it's up to you. So if you don't like the preaching, you know who to talk to. Not the preacher, the prayer's. And Paul says to the man, I'm hoping for open doors. And can I say, I'm hoping for open doors. All over the world and here in Pretoria. I'm hoping that your doors will become open doors. That the people around you in your life will know your door is an open door. I'm praying that our identity groups, many of your doors would open. You can have people meeting, finding their identity in Jesus. Praying for open doors. And Paul says, you pray that I I can preach the gospel properly, that I won't hinder the gospel, that I won't get in the way of of the gospel, Paul says. So you pray. Can I ask you, friends, are your prayers gospel prayers? The second thing that he says, we put on prayer. Then he says, put on the gospel. Have you noticed how outward looking this book is? And I... I've had a little hobby horse with Colossians because very often the way we approach a book like Colossians when it's full of Jesus. Remember we've said it's the letter that speaks most about Jesus. Hey? I've said very often when we pro- approach a book like this, we treat it devotionally like, oh Jesus, you and me. Who cares about everyone else? Just help me, Jesus, get through my day. Jesus, you are sufficient, therefore I'm okay. <laughs> you are the image of Christ, uh, of God, therefore I can see God. And it's all about us. I want to show you and, and remind us this morning that Paul says it starts with us. It become, it starts with me. Then it goes to us, the, the local church that I'm part of, my running mates. Then it goes to others. And Paul it, it wants to inspire them, not just to stay true, to hang in there with Jesus. He wants to inspire them to reach out to others so that they can know Jesus too. He says, put on the gospel. I think the normal life, and this is what Paul says, the normal life of a believer if we believe that God is supreme and sufficient, should be gospel. We should be looking for every opportunity. A personal testimony should expect results and not just remember we did the two minutes when we did the plus one series. Can, can you tell your story in two minutes? I hope you're still practicing. I hope you're getting opportunities for those two minutes. But can I just say, not only when we have to tell our testimony, I hope your whole life is a testimony. Not just so that people say, oh yeah, that guy, you know that That guy Ty, the guy that I see at at, uh, Varsity, he's a good guy. Like, I don't just want to be known as a good guy because I love Jesus. Oh, you're the nicest guy in our group. No, no, no. I want to be known as a guy whose life points to Jesus. Does it make sense? You don't just want to be the nicest guy, the guy who you can, you know, always lend stuff from. That's the guy in the neighborhood. You can borrow his lawnmower. He's a nice guy. He's approachable. That's a good start, but surely it should point to the gospel, Right? Actively, our personal testimony, actively looking out for every opportunity, he says. The way we speak, the way we respond should be with a gospel in mind. I'm so stirred. I really am. This Colossians book has, has been so good for me. I hope it's been good for us. That we live our lives looking for gospel opportunities. In Zun Kanisa, we sent off to Geneva. Hey? What for? Because the president told them to go and work there? No. Because the King of Kings has an agenda. For the gospel in Geneva. Richard and Lindsay go there. You go to your suburb to live. You go to another suburb to work. Might go to another city to work. What for? Because you must earn a living? No. Because the King of Kings has an agenda for the whole world to come to His Son. And you're part of it. On our to-do list, number one should be gospel. Opportunity. Make the most. Okay. Do you get that part? All right. Pray. Paul says, gospel. Let's read the next part of this passage. <laughs> A fun example, if you'd like, is you just underline all the names. There's 11 names in this next passage. 11 people's names and three places and more doors expected. It says, Tishikos will tell you all the news about me. Now, when you read the Bible, it's always helpful to think, hang on, who's who's this guy and why is he popped up in the story now? Because remember, Epaphras came and told him about Colossae. Now, who's this guy? So, Titicus will, will, will tell you about me. He's a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances, and he may encourage your hearts. Do you get the teamwork here? The, the connection. He's like, I now know about you, but man, I want to send someone that you know about me. Yeah? When we get together to pray, particularly at Grace United, sometimes on a Sunday, we pray for churches around the world. I trust you remember those faces and places. I trust you do, and you wonder how. Maybe you you kind of find them on Facebook, or you you get them. Somehow we should be bigger than just ourselves. We should know about our mates, our ministry mates. We should be praying for other churches. He says, he's coming with Onesimus. Um, Again, if you're looking for for baby names, this is the passage for you. (laughs) They will tell, uh, our dear brother, please notice, pay careful attention, he's coming with Onesimus. Who on earth is Onesimus? We haven't heard about him yet. He, well, he's our dear brother. That's who he is. He's one of you. In other words, he would be cultural. He would be been from Colossae, right? One of you. They will tell you everything that's happening here. Do you see how important? I mean, this is like precious, the number of words that Paul devotes. Just to the interactions. I remember years ago, we used to, every year, have an international NCMIT meeting in Australia. Super expensive to travel from South Africa to Australia. Far. Colette traveled pregnant. And uh, we can tell you all sorts of stories. We would gather from around the world, around 200 people. And we'd gather from Monday lunchtime to Friday lunchtime. And normally of those days, we'd take a half a day, 200 people. Think of the cost involved. Uh, flats, um, hotels, meals, we would take at least an afternoon and we'd go to an Aussie barbie out somewhere in the bush and we'd play silly games together. We'd kick a, uh, Aussie football, we'd play soccer, we'd play all sorts of games. you think, think, but, but we're together, we should be praying, we should be, someone should be preaching. This is the NCMR team for, for the churches all over the world. We should be doing important spiritual things. And Dudley and Tyron would insist, this is the most valuable thing we can do, to know about each other, that we spend time sharing stories, talking about churches we're in folders, so that when we leave and go home, we carry each other in our hearts. That's why coffee is important after the meeting. That's why we take time as leaders. Not, we didn't pray for you guys last night. Are you, are you disappointed? <laughs> we laughed together. We had a good time last night. Yeah? He will tell you everything that's happening here. My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, another name we haven't yet, sends you greetings, as does Mark. All we know that he's a prisoner too. As does Mark. Who's Mark? Don Mark. We'll come back to him. He's the cousin of Barnabas. (laughs) You have received instructions about him. This is a bit like a Facebook post, isn't it? If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who's called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they've proved a comfort to me. Man, I hope you've got people that prove a comfort to you. Epaphras, who is one of you, and a servant of Christ, sends his greetings. This is the original guy, right? And he is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him, that he is working hard for you, and for those at Laodicea and Heropolis. What? Who... Where are these places? Well, those are the two towns near Colossae. Remember, we said Epaphras had planted three churches. He's saying this guy's not coming back. You sent him. He's not coming back. Why? Well, we learn later because he's in prison. He came to help. Picture this. The pastor of the church goes to a ministry partner to find help and advice for the people in the church. And he just doesn't come back. Imagine you send Colette and now one of these days and we just don't come back. Get waylaid somewhere along. Yeah? And he says, man, he's waylaid, but he's a good guy. His heart hasn't changed towards you. Never mind he's in jail with me. He's still going for it. He's praying for you. All right, let's move on quick. Our dear friend Luke, another one, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha, a lady, the church that meets in her house. Maybe she started with an identity group and it became a church. <laughs> After this letter has been read to you, see that you also read it in the church of the Laodiceans. Uh, and then next one, let's see. Tell Octopus, see to it that you complete the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my trains, Grace to be with you. All right, the kids are going to come in. That's fine. They're going to sit down. They're going to be sweet. I've got five more minutes. And then we're going to thank uh, all of our volunteers, the the guys that minister here at Grace Cubs. So that's the plan. But friends, I, I, I want to draw some conclusions quick for you. What on earth, Paul? This is like his last op, his last moments. He, he's um, he, he's trying to make these big conclusions from this book of Colossians. And and why is he talking about all of this? I want to tell you that the book of Colossians. Can you look at them and pay attention to me at the same time? All right, that the book of Colossians ends with scandal. It's like the last chapter of Colossians turns into the U magazine. So Paul says, I'm sending Onesimus. Now the church would have known about Anissimus. Onesimus was a slave. And in fact, when he left Colossae, he was an unbelieving slave. But the scholars tell us that this guy, Onesimus, committed some kind of crime and ran for his life. Do you know who his slave master was, his owner was? A guy called Philemon. In South Africa known as Philemon. There's a little book written to him. And Tychicus carries not just the letter to the Colossians, but he carries a couple of other letters, including the letter of Philemon. What has happened? This slave, I mean, picture it. Remember we said 30 days to get from Colossae to Rome. Somehow this slave, Onesimus, runs away from Colossae because from he could be captured, he could actually be put to death legally for his crimes. Somehow he gets to Rome, and he he comes in contact with Paul's preaching, and he becomes born again. The scandal! This criminal slave is now a believer. He's learned that Jesus is enough. And so Paul keeps him with him. He disciples him. He ministers to Paul and helps encouraging him. And he says, now time's up, my boy. Paul takes the end of Colossians, this fourth chapter. He says, I've told you about this gospel where Jesus is supreme and he's sufficient. Now we're going to put it to the test. You get it? Paul the apostle has never met these people and he's 30 days away from them and he's locked up in chains. He's got no way to actually be there and make sure these Colossians act like good Christians. And in fact, their pastor is locked up with them. He's sending some good guy, tishikas, to go and tell them what to do. It's like, <laughs> it's like it's like COVID all over again, without the internet. <laughs> yeah, the drama. And Paul writes, the best part is, you think Philemon is a private letter, it's not because it was meant to be read publicly. <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's 24 verses, you can read it Tonight, And Paul says, man, the gospel has gripped Inesimus so much that he is more in love with Jesus than he's fearful of the uh, consequences of going back home. Yeah. He could die on the journey from natural causes. He could be killed when he gets back there. You know, the amazing thing is Philemon is the owner of the house where the church meets. Yeah. <laughs> he might have even been one of their elders. Paul says, "I believe in you, Philemon. I expect only good from you." So he sends Ennismore back home. And he said to them, you, "He he left as a slave. He's coming back as a brother." He says, "He's one of you, friends." I want to say to you this morning: you may be slave to all sorts of things, but Jesus is enough to rescue you from anything that you're enslaved to. He's enough to rescue you and make you one of us. Those who are going to heaven when we die. I finish with this. I felt in my heart, we don't have the time you can read it and figure it out yourselves. I felt that some of you here in this room this morning may feel like an outsider, like Inesimus would have. He was a proper outsider, but he came back as a brother, part of the family. You know the amazing thing is, (laughs) this is the coolest part, is that the scholars reckon that Inesimus went on to become one of the leaders in that church. Previous slave owner, previous slave, now elders on a team together, ministering to that church. How cool is that? Maybe you feel like an outsider, man. Today's your opportunity to come back home. Maybe you've drifted because of many things. Today's your chance to come home. Maybe you felt like a quitter. I didn't have time to talk about John Mark. In Acts chapter 15 and 16, John Mark was traveling with Paul. And he leaves them to go home. He abandons them. Somehow, in the intervening years, Paul has kept discipling this guy. He's brought him back. He says, John Mark is with me. It means he's a comeback kid. Maybe you've been a quitter in the past. Today's your day. You can come back. You can pick up part of the journey. You might have sidelined yourself. Jesus wants you back on the, on the field. Maybe you've been struggling to finish. We read about, tell occupus to complete the work. I don't think this was a rebuke. I think it was an encouragement. Maybe you just need some encouragement today. You've been doing it. You've been in the trenches. You've been running that race but your legs have got some little tired and you just need the, the voice of Jesus to say, keep on going. My boy, my girl, keep on going. You don't need to be an outsider. You don't need to be a quitter. You don't need to be one that doesn't finish the race. I want to offer you an opportunity this morning. We'll just take a minute. I want to offer you an an opportunity to come back home. You might have left here. Maybe you've never been here before, or you you've, you've visited before, but you haven't felt part of the family. Today's your chance. We all have the same Lord. He can make you part of the family. Maybe you felt like you've quit on the Lord. Today's your day to say, Jesus, I'm back in the race. Maybe you just got weary and you say, oh, Jesus, hard to finish. Today's your chance. Can we stand together? Where's our interns in our 20s? Will you guys come join me on the stage. We don't have lots of time, so just come join me. You guys are going to be my ministry team. Come on, the guys that led us on Wednesday night. You did so well. And just uh, come stand here up on the stage, and I'd love you just to look at these good people. And just in your hearts, you start praying for them, okay? You got that? Make sense? Just start praying. Okay? Michael, okay, I'm going to give you the mic in a moment. Friends, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to those three things. You might say, Jesus... I felt like an outsider. Today I'm coming home. You might say, Jesus, I felt like I've quitted somewhere along, but today I'm back in the race. Maybe you're feeling just weary. Maybe you're saying, Jesus, I'm weary. Would you hear today the encouragement of heaven saying, come on, finish the task that I've entrusted to you? Complete the job. Do the ministry. Would you mind opening your hands? I believe that Jesus can minister to you in a minute. We'll move on to the next and the final piece of this meeting. But just reach out to the Lord. Let his Holy Spirit rest on you. Especially for those that need to come back home. You may need to, after the meeting, just come and chat to some of the guys in the front row. And just say to us, today I prayed this. Thank you, Jesus.
1: Father, we thank you for your grace, your enabling grace, and your saving grace. A grace that transforms us, Lord. We're never the same once we have an encounter with you. And Holy Spirit, we just ask for you to come and meet us here, Lord. Personally, Lord. For those who feel like they've drifted away, we pray, Father, for the prodigal son heart where they return to you and where you receive them with open arms. For those who feel like, like they're quitting, Lord, we just pray that even in their lives that you may bring people who will run the race with them, that they'll know that they have a family around them. In Jesus' name. For those who have never even encountered you, Lord, we pray for a touch of heaven right now over them in the name of Jesus, that their lives will never be the same. In Jesus' name. Thank you for your love, Lord. I think you were able to see how much you love us, Lord. That we're no longer slaves, we're no longer dead to our sins, but we're part of your family. We've been engrafted into the family of Jesus Christ. That each and every one of us will have that revelation in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.